there were a lot of barriers to breakthrough. Um, what's been very helpful is when you have strong advocates and allies yeah. that believe in you, that believe in your work, that believe in um, your mind and thought leadership and say yes and, and hold doors open. Life is an endless stream of challenges, but no worries. Manoj is bringing the world's best minds right here for you. My gosh, Manoj, you just blew my mind. Thank you, universe. Manoj, thank you. I'm so grateful. Makes me feel a little bit better. Thank you. Bootstrapping Your Dreams is here to give you what you need to succeed. Hello and welcome to this new episode of Bootstrapping Your Dream Show. I'm your host, Manoj Agarwal, and today we have with us Jenna Domingu, who is a highly accomplished senior executive with more than 20 years of success in the wine, e-commerce, digital marketing, luxury goods, and staffing industries. Throughout her career, um, she had ha held leadership positions with Wine Direct, Jan Marini Skin Research, and other luxury good companies. A San Francisco Bay Area native, also with over 20 years experience in sales, Jenna leads the Wine Direct sales team. Wine Direct is a Napa Valley company offering world-class e-commerce and fulfillment solutions to wineries. And in her current role as VP of Global Sales, she's responsible for developing national and international sales teams. And uh, Jenna also manages their integrated payment program with over $1 billion in revenue. Jenna has won multiple national awards for sales performance in the skincare and aesthetics industries. If this wouldn't be enough, Jenna also served as VP on the Women of for Wine Sense Board of Directors for two consecutive years. Her key areas of expertise include fulfillment and e-commerce sales, B2B, technology, relationship management, digital strategy, negotiation, and sales team management. With a passion for wine, especially sparkling wine, Jenna brings best practices to direct-to-consumer sales. Jenna loves sports and was a professional cheerleader for Oakland Raiders. Wow. Welcome, Jenna. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, awesome. So you've had such a success in a in a in a you know industry which is typically very traditional, uh, not related to te technology, not related to uh, e-commerce. So before we get down into all the questions, let me ask you your your journey. How has it been? How did you even get started in this industry? Um, and uh, was it difficult to figure things out as you're breaking new ground? You know, it's interesting. About eight years ago, I was a general wine consumer, and I thought to myself, you know, I I'm not sure I'm being spoken to in this sort of arena. Am I invited to the party? And so what I decided to do was I was going to start my own wine company. Mm -hmm. And so I, um, a friend of mine was working at Wine Direct, and she said, you really should come meet with my CEO. And uh, I said, okay, well, why don't we, um, we got together, had a, put together a marketing plan and I was sharing with him mm -hmm. that there's a lot of wineries and a lot of consumers that are sort of underserved and not spoken to. Mm -hmm. And he said, yes, absolutely. We'll support your initiative. We will back you, but will you come work for me? Uh -huh. And well, I said, well, sure. I thought I'll learn a lot. I can launch my company. Eight years later, um, here I am as VP and have not launched my baby yet, but yeah. it's in the works. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. So uh, are there uh, a lot of uh, these type of um, companies who are selling wine online? Is this the trend that is catching on or you guys are the pioneers? Uh, how's that industry? I would absolutely say yes. I mean, in the past 12 months, our business has exploded. Mm -hmm. We were expecting some scale 
Um, you know, the past year has certainly um, progressed that faster than we were expecting, but uh, it's an exciting time. I can tell you the wineries that had a digital strategy, had a plan, had their supply chain in place, meaning e-commerce was built up, they had fulfillment in place. If that was, if that happened, they pivoted and they've done very well. I see. Uh, those who have not are struggling, and but they're catching up. So, but it's fine. But yes, the wineries um, that have embraced e-commerce are doing very well. Awesome. And so, um, let me step back here. You know, uh, earlier in your career, you were involved in uh, skin skincare products, personal sure. products, and now it's winery. And uh, I, I guess you have done cheerleading. So, like, how do you get so successful in so many different? industries in so many different um, you know arenas like what is your success uh, secret to this success yeah <laughs> I you know I've probably got this a lot of it's probably internal drive I, mm -hmm. I certainly have a certain internal drive that I think I was just sort of born with mm -hmm. and the other part is you know you get a little bit of success and then you kind of want you know you want more and so I'm not one to settle I guess and I'm very curious and so if I sort of master one area, I'm curious about what's going on over there as well. And so I sort of challenge myself to learn more and sort of the what's next. I'm not, I'm never really comfortable. Yeah, I'm yeah. always sort of looking for that what's next. I see. And so, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, being, being uh, similar in terms of curiosity, you know, trying to break new ground. I know there are a lot of challenges that come our way if we, if you think like that and if you always want to like accomplish more so i'm sure you had your your share of challenges um can you share any stories any anything that you had to sort of overcome during your uh, career to like break through uh, for a major sort of a major um, you know project that you were trying to accomplish or goal you were trying to accomplish well sure i mean you can imagine a woman of color in the wine industry yeah, yeah. Uh, is not your typical every day. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there were a lot of barriers to break through. Um, what's been very helpful is when you have strong advocates and allies yeah. that believe in you, that believe in your work, that believe in um, your mind and thought leadership and say yes and, and hold doors open. But a lot of it had, you know, for me, it was I knew I was on the right trajectory and doing well. And um, then at some point I said, okay, I, I know what I know, but how do I prove what I know? And so I then went back to school, uh, got my executive MBA um, last year, graduated. And so that was a really important step for me, I, I guess, to sort of put that stamp on it and go, okay, I, I know these things are true. And now really no one can question that, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've, uh, I, I guess... Um you know, the term uh, imposter syndrome comes to mind. I, I, yeah. Everybody has that. So yeah. is, is that something that you're referring to? Uh, well, I was not. No, I was just saying that sometimes people will, will question you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, in yeah. the room and they say, oh, great. you know, they don't assume that, you know, you're the. The reason behind the success. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But when it comes to imposter syndrome, I would say yes. I mean, that I, I think that many, many of us suffer from that or you know different times in your career you you question am i ready for this you know yeah. i certainly have had um i took on two about two and a half years ago I, i've always been a salesperson and i've always led sales teams and that was my trajectory and it was what i knew okay. and we needed um a big overhaul in the client success department and my 
my CEO kept saying, we've got to fix this, we've got to fix this, and we tried hiring outside, and it just wasn't coming together. And I finally said, raised my hand. You know, after ducking under the desk for a few times when he was pointing fingers, yeah, yeah, yeah. I finally stepped up and said, okay, I'll do it. You know, I, I think I can I handle this. And trust me, it was not an easy role to step into for multiple reasons, internal, external. And But I knew that I had, I, I knew what I had to do to fix it. Yeah. Two and a half years later, I can tell you that um, our, you know, between our um, exit surveys, data, uh, it's really sort of the, I always say you're the heart of the company to my CS team, but it really is the, um, sort of the bright spot for us right now because we've got an amazing team and they are driving success within the company um, through multiple channels. So very proud of what we've done with the success team there. That's awesome. So I'll, I'll, I took note of two things that you pointed out. One is um, uh, taking initiatives, you know, when when mm -hmm. opportunities come about uh, raising hands, as you said, like a lot of people don't do that. And, you know, to what uh, yeah. extent that has been part of your success as well, like, you know, just just being there and, and making yourself available. Yes, every single step of the way, it, you know, it comes, it goes back to payments. When I, you know, took on payment, you know, or integrated payments, nobody wanted to touch it, you know, and, and my CEO said, yeah, when you get to a million dollars, let me know, you know, yeah. and, or um, we have driven that to um, something pretty remarkable, but it started with me just saying, no, I see something there, um, being visible, w being willing to, to, to not know, but yeah. go in and ask questions. Yeah. And that's really, I think what's, um, and, and again, I'm not one, to, if I take on a project, it's because one, I see that there's a path to success and then I'm going to get on that path and drive it. Um, and I'm not going to let it fail if it has anything to do with me and, you know, my capabilities. So it, it very much as I would say very, you know, Manoj, um, being able to say, you know, I, I could have easily said no to the success opportunity or, or to some of the others, but I said, yes, I knew it'd be, you know, a learning curve, longer days, um, you know, dealing with frustrated clients and, and sometimes some things that maybe I didn't have to do in sales, but I said, no, I knew that one, I had an answer to the, I had a solution to some of the problems mm -hmm. and I was not content to sit back and, and, you know, not jump in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the the reason why we do these interviews is to inspire other people, and yeah. and this is one of the things you know, taking action and and raising your hand when the opportunity strikes is is one of the key things because most yeah. people say, you know, I I cannot accomplish what I want, and yet they don't realize they don't they always keep saying no to the opportunities as they come along. That's right. right. Yeah, that's that's absolutely you're you're so right. If you're saying no because it doesn't feel like a fit or I'm not sure you know, stop it. You can always, always say, you know, this, this wasn't the right fit, I assume, but um, get in there. Don't be afraid to take a risk. Be curious. Try something new. Listen, every single one of us has the power of information in our hands with our smartphones. So, you know, if you don't know, Google it, <laughs> look it up, yeah, uh, you know, look for someone who's done it before, who's broken ground. But certainly I think there's, there's more answers out there than questions. We just have yeah. to look and find them. Yeah. For sure. And then the second thing I noticed was that, you know, when you talked about the uh, the new department that you were heading, you gave a lot of credit to the team. So uh -huh. I, I find that um, to be a common trait, but, um, you know, within like really great leaders. So what do you say about that? Like, how did you learn that um, to, to, you know, uh, give more credit to the team or was it innate or like, tell us a little bit about your leadership. Yeah. 
I, part of it was probably just my personality. I'm kind of a team person and a team player and I don't mind giving credit. I really want to give credit where credit's due, but you know, my boss said something to me as I was sort of coming up the ranks. He said, um, take credit when things go wrong, give credit when things go right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that has sat and stayed with me in that. And, and, and also, I mean, I look at my team, they put, you know, God, they show up every day and, you know, every day is not a great day. And, but they show up, they continue to show up and, um, and they have the right attitude, you know? And so when I came in, I, I said, look, you guys, um, this isn't going to be easy, but we're going to fix this. And I, I, for me, it's, you know, I like to show my team a lot of love. I mean, I, I really like to recognize them for what they're doing well. We've put some programs in place so that we've got peer recognition so that the peers are recognizing. And then we actually, every um, month you can submit um, your own. If let's say you get a, an email of praise and you want to submit it, great, you put it in and we'll we show all the submissions as well as the winners. But it's always a good time to show off your your skills. And, and in this case, your people skills. And in sales, you know, you're rewarded by those accounts you bring in. So I think sometimes we forget that CS needs to be recognized and rewarded too for all that they do every day. For sure. Yeah. I mean, they, they take the grant of the, uh, the customers. <laughs> they really do. Yeah. yeah. You are listening to Bootstrapping Your Dreams show with Manu Jagarwal. Businesses face numerous challenges like finding the right product market fit, determining the market size, implementing a winning go-to-market strategy, crafting customer-centric USP, competitive analysis, looking for funding, building up cash flow and profitability. We have made a lot of free resources available to the entrepreneurial community, including this podcast. podcast. We invite you to check out our websites and follow us on social channels. The links are in the show notes. We hope you find the resources useful and utilize them to grow your business. We also have some programs for entrepreneurs. If you find our content useful, then you will definitely find the programs outstanding so do check them out um so uh speaking about sales you know and and talking about um i mean uh, i'll be honest like uh i come from an engineering background and uh, i've had to learn marketing and sales it doesn't come easy at all to me i i, I find it terribly uh, difficult like you know to ask for uh, ask for money, ask for things, but there is another level of luxury goods where, you know, and, and in the wine industry, it's, you know, it's well known, like certain wines cost so much more, certain luxury goods cost so much more. And how do you, what is your strategy? I mean, how do you convince somebody to, uh, to understand the value of what we are selling at that price point versus like, you know, the, the goods that we sell at a regular price price point. I would like to understand a little bit of your uh, thinking process when you sell luxury items. Sure. Well, selling luxury is not something I think can be sold. It's, it's something that's acquired, uh-huh. if you will. Yeah. And so somebody who's looking at a luxury item is, um, it's, it's usually you know better than I do. You're getting into now the psychology. Yeah, exactly. The exactly. psychology of the buyer. Yeah, yeah. And what are they looking for? Is it that ego? Is it um, they've maybe they've reached a certain place in their career and they want to signify that by a certain bottle of wine, a certain bag. Um, so 
for me, it's understanding who my buyer is and getting into psychology of how does this reward them and what makes them feel good about this, about this acquisition. And I'm also a big believer that luxury uh, can be enjoyed in small doses. So it doesn't have to be this, you know, life of, you know, peel me a grape, right? But maybe on the weekend, I enjoy that special bottle of wine or we go, when I go away, I stay in a nicer hotel than I might when I'm traveling for business. And so finding little bits of luxury along the way uh, seems to be a much more palatable way of justifying sort of that extra spend or, you know, and I remind people when they are going for that more, you know, out of reach bottle of wine that, you know, this is something very special. You've earned it. You've worked very hard. Um, congratulations that you've, you can acquire this. And so I make it sort of a mark, a mark of um, yeah, yeah, yeah. a standard for them. Yeah. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. And so um, this is great insight, uh, but how do you, how do you get to know the customer so intimately? Like mm-hmm. do you talk to them surveys? Like what, what, what are some of your, uh, I mean, you don't have to reveal any secrets if, if, if uh, you know, if they are a company secret, but I'm just talking in general, how do you think, what are you, what is your approach? Sure. Now, do you mean in, re- in regards to luxury or in my role now? Either one. I mean, uh, luxury is uh, because I want to talk about luxury and then wanna, I want to come back okay. to wine as well. Okay. So in luxury, yes, you're doing a lot of learning, asking questions and really about your lifestyle. Do, you, do they have children? Are they married or single? Uh, how do they spend their weekends? Is it with their girlfriends or, 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 or guy friends or is it with, um, you know, on the boat with the family? So how you enjoy your life is really going to oftentimes dictate or, you know, are you a busy professional or are you a stay at home mom? Those two lifestyles are a little different. And yeah. so um, you want to understand where they're coming from nice. and then where they want, where do they want to go, where they want to be. And, and does this acquired good help them get there? Awesome. And, and again, it's uh, the, the psychology of that buyer is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, does this make me feel good? Does it make me feel valued? Um, I think about those things. And even I'll go back to sort of in work, I look at it as, you know, if I'm talking with my customers, how do I make them look good? How do I make them feel good? So if my, if, if this solution I'm offering is going to make my decision maker and that buyer look good to their CEO or to their higher ups, that's a win. I want to make sure my clients look great to their seniors and their higher ups because they made a great decision. Now they've got new data points. They've got new insights that they can share. They're helping drive the business in a successful way. And so I'm always looking for the win. What's the win for my buyer? That's amazing insight. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now, taking it, uh, bringing it to the wine now. And, uh, you know, before the interview, we were talking about like uh, how the wine industry is sort of transforming uh, you know, due to, due to whatever is going on in the world. So can you share some insights around that? Like, wine in general how um how is the industry changing in response to the pandemic and the and and whatever is going on uh, around the health crisis sure i think behaviorally it's changing in that buyers who may have never bought wine online before because they like going to the tasting room maybe or um you know they just don't maybe they're afraid to make a to purchase a 20 40 50 bottle of wine without tasting it yeah. I, I think that's definitely shifted, um, one. And then I, we see probably more mature buyers who may have never bought wine online are also more comfortable mm-hmm. making those purchases because they had to through some part of last year. 
uh, I think from the point of the winery and producer, you're seeing um, all sorts of new engagements. So you're seeing cans, you're seeing different size bottles, 187 mLs, you know, the little tasters, um, all sorts of different ways to enjoy wine outside of a, opening a 750 bottle on a Tuesday night, you know. I see. So it sounds like sounds like the disruption brought about some innovation. You better believe it, doesn't it always? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, are you, um, you know, you being in the industry like, uh, and you know it inside out. Uh, how how prepared are businesses or wineries for this transformation that is happening? Like, uh, I obviously, you know, as you mentioned earlier, many people are sort of, you know, going with the flow and pivoting. But what is that percentage? Like, uh, how many people are thinking forward, and how many people are sort of, you know, saying, okay, it'll come back to normal and whatever. So I think not enough, not yet. Mm -hmm. uh, the wine industry, we, we tend to be a little slow to adopt, mm -hmm. but we get there eventually. You know, we've got some tools in place. Um, I think in particular things like digital strategy. Yeah, yeah. Most wineries, you know, 80% of wineries are 5,000 cases or fewer, meaning they're small producing wineries. And mm -hmm. so they don't have the bandwidth or, you know, most people are wearing multiple hats. The winemaker may also, you know, be ringing folks out on a Saturday or, you know, giving tours. And so you don't have somebody who's committed to um, thinking about search engine optimization. If you ask somebody, you know, do you have a digital strategy? They go, yeah, I got Facebook and, you know, we post <laughs> and you go, wait, wait, wait. But, but thinking about things like, you know, do you have a blog? Um, are you engaging partners to have backlinks? Are you, in, you know, looking at SEO uh, optimization? Are you using Google Tag Manager, Google Analytics? Are you looking at where your customers are coming from so you know where to go when you do want to acquire new customers? And so there's a lot of data points that are absolutely free to, um, you know, the business, the entrepreneurs, but that they aren't necessarily engaged, know how to pull those out. And so we're putting together a team that can uh, help, you know, do the heavy lift for the wineries yeah. because they are a bit behind when it comes to um, really maneuvering sort of the digital space. It's tough. Yeah. It's, it's not easy for someone just getting into it who, you know, opened a winery because they love to make wine. Yeah. yeah. No, that's I mean, uh, you know, I, I talk to a lot of uh, leaders in different industries and it's actually, you know, across the board that, yeah. People who had some digital strategy in place, uh, they are doing, uh, you know, rather well. But, uh, but as you said, like, this is not something in the wheelhouse of every CEO, you know, how to do this stuff like SEO and all that. Um, so I, I do uh, recognize they were, you know, many of them were caught off guard. But, um, but I think, yeah, I mean, uh, it will need to uh, become part of the business eventually somehow. Yes. Right. Now, not eventually. Now we yeah, exactly. got to adopt these now if we're going yeah. to survive, um, yeah. you know, the digital age. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let, let's talk about now consumers. And since you have been in the consumer space now, uh, I really uh, find it interesting how consumer trends uh, are changing in many, many industries, like, you know, especially hospitality and all that. Uh, but um, wine seems to be uh, taking a different, like a, a different path here. Uh, so how has it uh, been um, going in the past year? How has the consumer behavior changed, buying behavior changed uh, for wine? Uh, more drinking for sure. <laughs> We're seeing. But I think that uh, consumers are also becoming more curious. They're looking for maybe boutique brands. 
something that's not so easily acquired, but you know, what's that one sort of, um, you know, undercover find that I, you know, that, that diamond in the rough that I can find and, and identify with. And people are finding, sort of finding their favorites. Uh, we're seeing a lot of um, sort of cult favorites pop up, mm -hmm. uh, especially with as younger drinkers emerge and they're curious about wine. They don't want to drink what you know their parents drank. They're looking yeah. for what's my favorite now, and and also if you know alignment with a company's values, um, looking for things like clean wine, sustainable practices, you know even you know us as a third party shipper, um, you know our consumers want to you know we don't want styrofoam anymore. We want to make sure that it's all you know recyclable and it's uh, earth friendly. And so we've got quite a few initiatives as well. And then you know we're shipping a, a whole lot of wine, and so how do we? Uh, work on reducing our footprint, um, and so we've we've got some great initiatives around that as well. But these are important that wineries align with partners, and then the consumer also participates in that, and everybody feels good about the partnership and and you know the wineries uh, initiatives. So it sounds like the consumers are themselves becoming more aware of their core values, and they want to see that in the in the company that they are purchasing from. I would agree 100%. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, sustainability, uh, you know, whether it's local, global, people want to know that they're doing their part. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, it, it almost sounds like, um, you know, things are moving in the right direction. It's just that the the, uh, the actual impetus for that was kind of <laughs> kind of drastic. Um, Unfortunately, yeah. So moving forward, um, having so much visibility on the industry, what do you see? Like e-commerce obviously is taking off, but do you see this trend going to the extent where maybe retail is going to be all digital or something like that? Um, or tasting rooms? I mean, what kind of like experiences we can expect in the future uh, from the wine industry? Sure. I think the wine industry will forever, you know, it's a hand to hand. This is, this is about experience and tell me a story and, um, it's the smell, it's the taste. I think until we get smell a vision and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the, you know, we're, we're, while we're, we've migrated, we've done some pivoting and we're doing digital tastings, remote tasting. That's, it's carried us through and it's great. I think inevitably when it comes to wine, we still are looking for someone to, you know, tell us the nuances I should be expecting. And, um, some of the handholding, but I do believe that the wine industry will benefit from taking advantage of things like, you know, artificial intelligence, recommendation engines, um, you know, blockchain in terms of protecting provenance of certain yeah. wines, um, alternate, you know, payment methods. I think there's a lot that we can benefit from in technology and take advantage of while still holding on to those roots of, you know, taste, smell, touch, and then of course, sharing of, yeah. of the fruit. That's great. That's great. Um, yeah, you, uh, that's very interesting. Actually, you mentioned the blockchain part because uh, I do recall I, I was uh, talking to, I think, IBM or some other technology company, and they were working on something similar for wines. And and I mean, many industries, I mean, art is doing that. I did a project for the uh, silver mining industry for blockchain. So a lot of industries are going that way. So it's uh, it's really good that wine is also looking at that. I, I would say so. I happen to know there are a few, um, 
I know Treasury Wine Group, if I'm not mistaken, I read an article, they are doing uh, some work with um, blockchain, you know, just protecting their supply chain mm-hmm. and uh, making sure, again, protecting the provenance of their wines, their more higher end uh, portfolio, the mm-hmm. Penfold portfolio, and um, applying uh, some different technology. That's awesome. Which I'm, exci- I'm so excited to see. I'm, yeah. actually, I'm a kind of crypto person myself. So. I see, I see, I see. Yeah. Okay, awesome. That is great. And so, um, you know, you you also have so much um, in-depth knowledge about the digital world. And how has that changed in the past year? Have you noticed any trends which are which caught you by surprise? Obviously, the usage has gone up uh, multiple times. Uh, but anything else that you notice online, people people's behavior has changed or the kind of things they're interested in has changed? I think that we're going to, you know, if we're, if I'm reading the tea leaves right, and I'm, you know, I don't think it's any magic, but you know, frictionless purchasing, frictionless payments are absolutely top of mind for people like me. And so I think about how do I allow my customers to buy, purchase an app. So if they're looking at a story, maybe we don't, you know. They don't have to actually leave, you know, God, I, oh, I'm interested in that wine I saw on, you know, whatever show they were watching, yeah. Housewives of whatever, and they want to go and then they've got to leave and they've got to go purchase it. What if they can actually purchase it while they're watching that show? Yeah. Uh, you know, um, maybe not uh, being so overt when it comes to advertisement, but we actually do uh, have a softer sale, a softer approach. Mm-hmm. And the consumer can inquire more if they want. But, you know, sometimes product placements are pretty obvious. But I think there's some kind of cool, neat, new ways of getting products in front of customers that isn't so in your face. And so looking and, and again, new technologies, you know, recommendation engines and, and using AI to really understand who your customers are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very interesting because then you can place the product and align with that customer base in a way that's much more specific and targeted uh, versus, you know, blasting the universe and hoping yeah. half of a percent to show up. That's, you know? uh, that's very interesting. Um, so are, are there such initiatives going on um, uh, around the industry? I would say so. I think, you know, Slim and, and there's, again, you've got mostly small wineries. So there's a few larger houses that are looking at how to take take advantage of technology, but it certainly it benefits everyone top to bottom. And I think we're all looking at, you know, how do we scale that um, mm-hmm. in a way that's affordable, approachable uh-huh. for the average winery. Yeah. That's awesome. That's yeah. great. And so um, uh, one of the last questions I wanted to ask uh, about uh, the scholarship programs that you offer, um, your company offers. Uh, how did that come about? What is the motivation and, uh, you know, how, what, what are you trying to like accomplish with that? I find it very, uh, you know, admirable that, uh, that your company is offering that, but tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think you're thinking more about women for wine since they actually have the scholarships. Um, that's a wonderful, um, nonprofit group that exists to really, uh, promote wine, um, for women, whether it's entrepreneurs or those enjoying it, um, but recognizing women women within this space. I think it's um, very important that we recognize, you know, women, underserved communities, people of color, producers of color um, that have not previously been recognized. There's um, a lot of energy behind this right now. I'm seeing a lot of um, 
different initiatives and groups pop up that say, no, we actually want to make sure that, um, you know, whether it's indigenous peoples or, or even, you know, field workers, you know, that um, come here and, and do the heavy lift and the hard work of producing the wine and, you know, the picking and the grafting and all the things that happen in the field, uh, recognizing every step of the way and, and those who participated in that. That's great. That's uh, that's great. Thank you so much. Uh, this has been such an amazing interview, and uh, I got to learn a lot about wine. I I don't drink that much, but you know, it's very insightful to learn about an industry and the and the transformation it's going through. So so thank you so much for sharing your uh, knowledge, experience, insights. Uh, and before I let you go, can you tell us how people can reach out to you if they want to connect with you? Sure. You know, I'm terrible at social, but LinkedIn is always the best way you can ping me. I actually respond to pretty much all my messages. So you can always find me on LinkedIn. Uh, with my name, Jenna Domingue, or um, uh, you can get my email, uh, jenna.domingue at winedirect.com. Awesome. Great. Uh, we'll put those links in the show notes so that people can reach out to the easily. Please do. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Hey, I'm Sarah, producer of the Bootstrapping Your Dreams Bootstrapping Show. Your Dreams show. This episode has come to an end. Don't forget to check out the episode show notes for the links to the resources mentioned in this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Until the next episode, goodbye. Keep going and keep winning.